0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production.
1: Hi, everyone. It's Olivia Perez, and you're listening to Friend of a Friend. Azinma is a classically trained violinist, composer, and model who's captured the hearts of thousands through her genre-bending covers that have gone viral. Known on Instagram as Classical Bay... Azima's sound combines her classical background with the beat of today's greatest hits. She can often be found sharing this sound on the streets of New York City, or even with her electric violin in a nightclub. Azima got her big break when she received a message on Facebook from Beyonce's musical director to join the singer on stage at Barclays Center. She then joined Beyonce on tour for three years, and went on to collaborate with incredible talent like Stevie Wonder, Kendrick Lamar, and Georgia Smith. Today, Azinma is a solo artist with a mission to defy the classical violinist stereotype. She recently signed to Universal Classics and plans to release her debut project, Beethoven Please the Fifth, in the summer of 2020. In this episode, Azinma tells us about her upbringing in Nebraska and being labeled an orc dork, what it was like to work alongside Beyonce and manifest her own dreams, and how she plans to break musical boundaries and disrupt the classical industry with her first album. Here's my friend, Azinma. How are you? I'm very good. Very, very good. How are you? I'm good. I am in quarantine, as I'm sure you are too. <laughs> where, <laughs> um, where are you based? I'm in LA. I'm usually in New York. I mean, I left New York too. Where just so you? to have a few can camp- I'm in Arizona right now. Oh, nice. Okay, so yeah. you're not far.
0: Yeah. It's just so nice to be able to go outside. And yeah, New York, it was, it was hit so hard. Like I had so many friends who were affected. How's Arizona? Oh, it's so nice. I've just been... It's so beautiful here. Like you wake up and it's birds and just, you know, everything is blooming. And we were able to visit Sedona and go hiking and things. So it's just been one of my favorite places. Yeah, it's an
1: incredible place. I miss New York a lot. But yeah, so I always start the show. Where are you from? And where do you live? now in current times, even though you just told us, but where do you normally live? (laughs)
0: Okay. So yeah, my name is Azima and I live in Brooklyn, New York. Normally I'm from Lincoln, Nebraska, but for COVID, I'm in
1: Scottsdale, Arizona. Very cool. What was it like to grow up in Nebraska? You know, I,
0: I think for me, it was the place that allowed me to be who I am. And of course that may seem like a pretty obvious thing to say, but you know, there's not that much happening. You know, it's not like a place like New York where there's all this cultural, you know, experiences and performances. It's not like that. It's pretty homogenous society. You fit in or you don't. And I think because of that, because I never really fit in, especially being, you know, a mixed race person growing up at that time. And now things have changed a bit. I just turned to music and it forced me to be obsessed with my music. So I'm, I'm actually very grateful to have been from Nebraska. And, you know, it's also a place that really, you know, it really values that American, you know, in quotes, dream of just hard work and, and loyalty and honesty. It's a, a place where people are really true to their word, which is something that isn't true of a lot of places. I've noticed. So, yeah, it's a magical place to me. Would I live there now? No. <laughs> but it's a place that really shaped me immensely.
1: When did you start playing the
0: violin? I started when I was three years old. I went to school on a farm, which is like so what you would imagine Nebraska to be like. But it was an incredible Montessori school on a farm and they had a violin program. And I begged my parents to play. And I guess the rest is history. Yeah. And it's so I funny, like my that. mom. Yeah, my my mom, she's, you know, really into bluegrass, and Americana, and like that type of music. So even when I was a little girl, I was doing a lot of fiddling competitions, like playing like a lot of, you know, bluegrass and just sawing away on my violin. Yeah. Just, you know, this little black girl on stage, like I was five, played in competitions. I did really well in them. Like I won a lot of them and it was just a really crazy experience. But I just loved the instrument. So I never stopped playing.
1: I played in middle school and I absolutely loved it. Yeah. But I did feel like growing up there was, there's an annoying stigma against being a violinist.
0: Yeah. And there's still kind of We're I mean? a little bit, yeah,
1: we're type A. Yes. Um, very perfectionist. But like, I think that's unfair. <laughs> <laughs> I think any stigma is unfair, but particularly with the violin. And even today when I was like, oh, when people are like, oh, I was in the choir. Oh, I played the piano. And I'm like, I loved the violin. Like I played every day for three years. People are like, that's so nerdy of you. Yeah, it's pretty
0: nerdy. But then once you're into it and then, one, then it's, I don't know, I... I just I've noticed that a lot of the stereotypes because people message me like oh I used to play the violin but I quit because I was teased I get that story a lot like yeah people call me dorky and I was called dorky too an orc dork I get it but then like oh my once god, you an get orc-dork. past that yeah once you get past <laughs> that though it's like the violin has this sexiness and the seduction and people oh, are like, oh my god 100%. it's my favorite instrument so it's a weird 100%. stigma I don't know where it comes from
1: <laughs> so you were teased for it in, in, when you were younger.
0: Oh, yeah. Big time. Like big, big, big time. I was teased for it. And I was just the quintessential dork. I was in math club, debate team, science team, played the violin. Like It was bad. It was really bad, Olivia.
1: (laughs) Dare I ask, what's the thing that you get when you graduate? What's the word? like Like biggest, most fashionable or like like most likely to succeed. superlatives. What was your superlative yeah, when yeah. you graduated? <laughs> Mine was
0: most likely to be Supreme Court Justice. I was just such a like A plus, a like great fanatic. One. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely gone in a completely different route, but right. you know, at the time, I you know, I was going to go to you know med school. I you know, I didn't really plan to be a violinist, but I was just that that type A type of kid.
1: I think I got biggest flirt, so you take the cake <laughs> for a good one. <laughs> Hey, but that's another way to get to the Supreme Court. (laughs) (laughs) In today's world, you never know. Honestly, you never know. (laughs) Never know. I love that. What kind of music was played in your household? I've had like the most fun interviewing because I'm obviously not a musician, but I've had the most fun interviewing musicians on the show and just kind of hearing about the impact of the music that was played in their household and how that's like been passed down to their parents and into the style of music that they play today. Yeah. That's me dorky for a second.
0: <laughs> no, it's a great question because it says so much. So my dad's from Guyana, so that's, you know, in South America, but it's West Indian culturally. So a lot of reggae, a lot of, you know, soca, that type, you know, man. Beanie Man, that type of stuff. And then also my dad loved funk and then the classics like Stevie Wonder, Earth, Wind & Fire, that type of stuff. And then my mom, you know, again a lot of like Americana, a lot of bluegrass, singer-songwriter stuff, like a lot of Joan Baez. I listen to a lot of Joan Baez, which is great. Like it's incredible music. You know, we didn't really listen to popular radio very much. That was something that was just, I know, my parents are both intellectuals. So they kind of look down to anything pop culture or mainstream. That's just in their DNA, I guess, to do that as these, like irritating
1: professors sometimes,
0: <laughs> but you know my I get but it, though. We Just or yeah, it was just always great music. You know jazz.
1: It's challenging, like when you look at the music of today and our parents who have such iconic music. Yeah, to like see the stark comparison between the two. Like I remember growing up, my dad would be like, "What is this?" Yeah. Like if I put on the radio. So I understand. I'm empathetic to that. But you started playing when you were three, and you ended up obviously being a professional but i always like asking people who started a craft when they were young what resources they used throughout like their young life and like into adolescence that helped them perfect their craft and then like propel them into a professional career for it
0: yeah well you know i think the biggest resource for me has just been my mentors i mean you know i've always my teachers always played such a big role in my life I remember one of my first teachers mrs miotto she put me upside down in my lesson. She was so tough. She like, picked me up by my ankles and like put me upside down. How old this, like, were you? Tiny Japanese lady who was just a beast of a teacher. I was three, four. Like I used to have this thing where I'd fall asleep in lessons because it was during my nap time. And she would just like wake me up like that. And it was, But she had such a strong influence on me because she, you know, she just demanded the best. And then you know, my next teacher and then my following teacher, just always having these adults in my life who really meant so much to me, not just in terms of violin, but in terms of guidance, you know? And so even today, I, you know, I still have, you know, mentors and violin mentors and adult mentors I turn to whenever I need help in this crazy profession. So that's one resource I've always, 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 always used. I mean, another is peers. I'm just inspired by, you know, at the time, like fellow violinists so how do they play? How do I play? Like that type of thing. But as I'm older, just being around creatives and artists all the time, something that really keeps me inspired especially because I'm in a much more creative space now that I'm writing my own music and all that stuff so yeah those are resources I couldn't live without
1: now let's pause for a break so I can talk about a very pressing issue our quarantine kitchens is it just me or has quarantine and food been an absolute nightmare whether it's anxiety-inducing to go to the market, I'm unable to get a food delivery time slot, my cooking attempts have been an absolute fail, or I'm snacking 24-7, my health routine and what I've been putting in my body is so out of whack. Then I discovered that we can stay home, stay healthy, and strengthen our immunity with fresh, delicious meals delivered straight to your door with Sakara. Sakara is a nutrition company that believes wellness begins with what we eat. From hearty salads and nutrient-dense granolas to savory flatbreads and seasonal fruit parfaits, their ever-changing menu of creative, chef-crafted meals makes clean eating delicious and so easy. I've never been a breakfast person, but I am obsessed with their breakfast meals. From coconut praline granola with cacao milk, the best and healthiest chocolate milk you'll ever have, I promise, to protein-filled biscottis, I actually have been looking forward to breakfast every day. In addition to their delicious meals, Saqqara also offers daily essentials like supplements and herbal teas to complete your wellness routine and support overall health and vitality. Especially now, I really recommend trying their daily probiotic blend or detox water drops with pure chlorophyll to boost immunity. And now Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their order when they go to sakaracom friend or enter friend at checkout. That's Saqqara, sakar dot friend to get 20% off your order. Let's do our best to keep our minds and bodies as healthy as we possibly can right now and maybe find some new healthy routines along the way
0: friends. I'm Jackie Schimmel, philanthropist, motivational speaker, glowing wife, animal rights activist, and a shoulder to cry on. Not really. I'm a crazy bitch, but a hoot and a half. If you haven't listened to my podcast, the bitch Bible, brace yourself, pour yourself a stiff drink and get ready to laugh your ass off or cry. Make sure you subscribe yourself to the bitch Bible podcast right now. You're going to effing love it.
1: Let's get back to the show. And earlier you were saying that your parents were definitely on the intellectual side. You said you were, they, they were both teachers, correct? Yeah. They're yeah. Both professors. Were they supportive of your desire to be a violinist? Professionally, my dad
0: was a little concerned about me being a violinist. My mother, she's a creative know, she's a writer. She's a professor of writing. So she, she gets it. And she, right. you know, really wanted me to do that. But my dad, you know, he's an actuarial science, He's, he calculates risks. And so for him, being a wow. violinist is like the riskiest career. <gasps> He's like career calculating, like, oh, my yeah. God. He's like, this is yeah. not going to work out too well. But now, you know, they, they're on board. I think they're really proud of me. But, you know, it was a time when my dad was not happy with my choice. And, you know, at, the, you know, at some point, you have to separate yourself from your parents. You have to live your Absolutely. own life.
1: What would you consider to be like your big break? Like the first moment where you were like, okay, I could do this professionally.
0: I mean, probably when Beyonce's team reached out, that's when I realized I was like, oh, wow, like Pause. people are actually paying attention to me. <laughs> and it's crazy. Only you guys can see my
1: face right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I didn't even have a following or anything. Like I was just, you know, I would post these little covers on, you know, at the time it was 15 seconds on Instagram and just, you know, messing around, and I got this Facebook message from her musical director, Derek, and he was like, "Hey, my client loves your work. And she has a show coming up, you know, at Barclay Center. Can you join us? Can you join the band? She's never had violin before." And I was like, "Who's your client? What are you paying me? Like, any? You know, yeah, you're just totally. trying to hustle. You're trying to like make it." And he's like, "I can't tell you. I have a really crazy NDA." I was like, "I mean, I can't agree to this then." So he calls me because I turned it down. He calls me. He's like, "Look, we really want you. Google my name. I Google his name." And sure enough, it's Beyonce's musical director for the past, like, several tours for Lemonade, produced Lemonade, like, just her guy. And I, you know, walk you into that room the following week or whatever with all of these women. It was one of the most incredible experiences for me just because I've always felt like I didn't fit in. And to be in this room and everybody, you know, is a woman, a lot of women of color. It just made me realize, like, wow, I'm on... I'm on my path. This is going to work out. I don't know how, but in one way or another, this is going to happen. So that would definitely be a defining moment.
1: Okay, so tell us what it was like. That's
0: insane. I mean, when she walked into the room, this is the first time ever, because I, I was able to work with her for about three years. So when she walked into the room, I just, I just like could not believe it. Because for me, growing up, Beyonce was like my star. You know, I just, I wanted to look like her. I wanted to do everything like her. She was just so influential to me. And I'm really grateful that that was my role model because she's just such a hard worker, especially seeing it from this side. So yeah, when she walked in, she was just so gracious and kind, you know, and just so just unbelievably talented, ears like no none other. Yeah. And, and I was just, oh my God, this is really happening, pinching myself really. And then, you know, as, as things went on and, you know, she would talk to us and, during during Coachella did a lot of fittings for her. So we were like talking and I was like, oh my God, like in my mind, I'm like talking to her, but in my mind, I'm like just giving it together. But yeah, she's just, it's just an incredible honor to watch her work. Just if I could have just been a fly in the room, I would have been grateful. But then to be there playing and she's listening to me, hearing my solos, I'm like, Jay's there. Like, oh my God, this is crazy. So for a fan, it was just a big moment for me. Totally.
1: Yeah. In those th- so you said that you worked with her for three years, but you yeah. also were at probably a point in your career where you were also trying to expand your own career. What advice do you have for people that are collaborating and working with other people that have big names while you're also trying to cultivate and foster and nurture your own brand at the same time?
0: Yeah, it's such a great question because that was probably the hardest thing for me. And for many people, you've made it, you know? But for me, I left classical music because my voice wasn't heard. And I, I didn't particularly feel like my voice was heard serving other artists. And I think it's so beautiful to collaborate and it's wonderful to do those things, but you always have to remember who you are and what your sound is, what your goals are and stay true to that. And, at the end of the day I ended up leaving the tour because I, I wanted to work on my own stuff. I I wanted to make my own albums, make my own music, find myself. You know, I gave up that security and that income and you know that prestige and everything to to put faith in myself. So I think it's really a balance of, you know, you you know you have to understand that you're learning and those years I spent, I learned so much from her. I learned incredible amounts from her and her team and how they do things. But in the back of my mind, I never gave up on myself. I never gave up gave up on my own dreams and my own desires and what I wanted for my own career.
1: I feel like what the example that you're saying is probably what so many people go through in so many different
0: categories
1: right. of careers. Whether it's like, oh, you right. work for a big company and you want to go freelance. I feel like that model is relatable to so many people and taking that leap is really scary.
0: It's very, very, very scary. But I've what I've learned is you just have to believe in yourself, period. Like I and it's so much easier to say sometimes than when you're actually facing that decision. But I knew, you know, one way I always make the big decisions is I is I think, will I regret not having made this choice? And for me, I knew it was gonna happen if I went on tour with her. It'd be what's already been happening, which is incredible. But to take that risk and to put faith in myself was something that I didn't One to let that opportunity go by. Shortly after leaving, at you know, I was offered two, and then another email from three record labels. We want manifesting that destiny very quickly. Yeah, and I had no idea that was possible. And had I been on the road, of course that that would still have happened. You know, I still could have followed through and done those things. But I don't even know if those emails would have arrived had I not put that faith in myself. If that makes sense. Like, had I continued to occupy my spirit with serving. These, this other great thing, would there have been space for those emails to have come, those opportunities to have come? I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how it works. But I do know that when you put faith in yourself and work towards those goals, that's when magic happens.
1: I always think about that in the sense that like, I get asked all the time, like, okay, I have this full-time job, but I have this creative vision. How do I even get there when I have a full-time job? And I remember when I was a student at NYU and I was studying journalism, I wanted my own show. But I was writing, and I was writing for other outlets, and I had a great time doing it, and it gave me the stable ground to stand on to be able to say, "I'm a journalist. I can do all these things." But one day, my friend looked at me and was like, "If you want to show how can people see you as a host and like an on screen journalist, if you've never put yourself in the position to show people that you're that, right? And manifest that. So it's like it's kind of the same thing where it's like if you want something, even if it's in the smallest way, like at least paving the way for that lane to happen. Cause it's not just going to happen on its own. You have to take exactly. some, it takes, it's like the big bang theory. You have to do one big move to make everything else work. So I totally yeah. get that.
0: Yeah. I remember when I was still in school, I went to the new school when I was in New York When I was in school, I, I bought an electric violin, which was just, I have no use for because I'm, I'm studying classical violin, but I knew that I didn't want to be in this mold. I, I was getting really tired of it. And I just, you know, I just didn't really see myself fitting in there. And so I bought a this electric violin because I was like, you know what, if I have this thing, I'm going to find a way to put this to, to use and to make purpose for it. And sure enough, just having it, you know, I'd get these little gigs to play in clubs. And that was when I first started experimenting was, you know, taking my electric violin and going to play in clubs while I was in school. And, And had I not had that violin, you know, taking that step to buy that electric instrument, I don't know if I would have, you know, just to prove your point that we have to set forth what it is that we want to manifest. I'm a huge believer in that.
1: So fast forward today, you are literally called Classical Bay. You have such an incredible ear for taking modern music and putting a classical spin on it. I love the videos that you post. I think that there's just something so... There's something so captivating about it. It's not just someone playing the violin. Like there's an artistic reference to it, whether it's like you walking down the streets in New York or like you being on the bridge. And I'd love to hear a little bit about your creative process in putting those videos together, whether it's like where you're recording them to what even goes into like the song choice and what songs speak to you the most.
0: Yeah, good question. I like to do songs that I just love. And then on top of that, it has to also marry well with the violin. So some songs I love, but it doesn't necessarily it's not a great fit for the violin. <sighs> I'm trying to think of an example. I'll think of an example and maybe reference it a bit later. But um that's first. I also like to think of songs where I can hear some sort of like classical reference or classical texture in it. Because I've, you know, at first my covers were just super me just playing with my my violin over the over the record, you know, and That was super, super cool. And then they started to evolve into something that's a bit more nuanced and something that I like to think of can really change the song. So I'm always thinking about the texture and how to add that sort of symphonic space and symphonic sound into it, um, just because I think that's what makes what I do so unique compared to other violinists. And then, you know, I also want to pick stuff that's hot. I like picking songs that I think have a lot of energy and that people really respond to I mean slow music is great I love slow songs but I just personally I just I'm a very upbeat like let's have, have energy type of yeah. person anyway so that's just the type of music I like to play even what I write I don't really write a lot of slow songs I'm just I don't know, I just like energy
1: I feel like there's just so much energy to a violin in general
0: it really is it really is and I think people well I think people think of the violin as kind of this like slow, somber, maybe seductive type of thing, but it can also have a lot of energy and power. And I love to show that side. And I also like to show, to push the boundaries of the instrument. That's something I'm constantly fascinated by. You know, you take, what's been amazing in classical music is every composer who has come along has pushed the boundaries of the instrument further. You know, Mozart, Beethoven took it to the next level. Then comes Pachanini. It's even more intense. So I like to think of ways that I can really challenge the sound of the violin. And so I do all that stuff on my covers and they're just fun. I just love it. I'm doing one right now for Savage.
1: I actually grew up a dancer. So I, I relate to the, the challenges of coming from a classical world and being a little bit more creative and kind of stepping outside the box. Yeah. With summer in full swing, it's time to talk about our summer wardrobes, starting with lingerie. Lissette is a lingerie brand whose mission it is to create depth in your everyday challenge the norm, and give you the power to feel and look good. Lissette creates beautiful lingerie for women of varied body types, shapes, and colors, and their brand mission strives for women to really see themselves in their product and on their platforms. Fed up with the idea of lingerie only symbolizing sexiness for pre-bedroom activities, being reserved for special occasions, or designed to be hidden, designer and founder Chiara Robinson decided it was time to shake things up and her fantasies of transitional lingerie were born. Filled with neutral slips, g-strings, and wrap tops, Lissette can be worn for back-to-back work meetings, mixed, matched, and layered with your favorite pieces to create the perfect meeting-up-for-drinks look, or worn around the house during hot summer days. Born in New York City and bred in LA, Lissette is for you. Visit www.lissette.shop, that's L-A-S-E-T-T-E, .shop, to check out the full collection.
0: I think we're going to see more and more of that just as the world keeps changing, because People I don't think, go to orchestras so. the way they used to. People don't go to this, the ballet the way they used to. So there has to be other, other ways for artists to earn that training to survive. So I think it's just going to, people are going to be forced to adapt.
1: Yeah. I mean, beyond that, I think I'm sure you can relate to this and have your own thoughts on this, but like the classical world, whether you're like a ballerina or a violinist or in the orchestra is historically not a very inclusive place. Yeah, 100%. 100%
0: and I think that is also changing I, I think slowly but surely it's changing um especially as there's more access and more awareness and more visibility I mean a big reason why I do the videos I do is for visibility I just want people 100%. to see yeah women and women of color playing the violin like that that sounds so basic but the number of emails I get from students from you know from parents who are just like you opened my I did not realize we could do this I'm like oh my gosh, like that's that says so much. So I know for me, when I was a little girl to have seen someone like me doing what I'm doing would have meant the world to me because I felt so alone most of the time. So yeah, it's not an inclusive place, but I really believe that it's changing. And I think like most of the world, it's because it has to change. It just has to change.
1: But so you've had some incredible collaborators from obviously Beyonce, you've performed with Stevie Wonder, Georgia Smith. What makes a good collaborator for you?
0: Ooh, that's such a great question I think a great collaborative collaborator is one who gives you the freedom to do what you do the way that I I see it is there's so many violinists in the world but why are you collaborating with me why me there must be some reason so if that's the case let me do what I do and I'll let you do what you do and then we just do it together so that's kind of how I see collaborations um you know working with Georgia Smith was so amazing because she was just like. I want you to do a solo, um, just like, you know, warm up the crowd, make them, you know, get the energy up and then I'm going to sing and then you'll solo again and we'll do what? And that's the song. I'm like, easy. Like that's so much freedom. I, I love that. Um, not
1: everybody's like, she seems like the coolest person ever. Oh, just
0: again, another beautiful spirit, like so talented, so kind. Yeah. It was amazing to work with her and like Stevie too, just so much freedom you know, for that one, I was actually at the gym when I got the call. This is when I just first moved to New York and they called me and they're like, Hey, we need a violinist right now for a Central Park performance. Can you be here in like 20 minutes? And I used to live in Harlem. And for those of you who don't know, New York, just with the, if you're using the train, maybe you can get there in 30 minutes, but you know, i was at the gym. I needed a shower. I needed to change all that stuff. So I just make it as soon as, I, as possible. I'm like, yes, I'll be there. And I get there. There's no rehearsal, no charts. Fortunately, I grew up on Stevie Wonder. So i I already know all the songs, um, and that was just he just let let me do what I wanted like wow crazy and the man could hear everything like everything he hears, so that was kind of scary. But yeah, I just want freedom. I really want freedom.
1: But so now you're working on your own music, which is so exciting.
0: Yeah, yes, I am. I'm so 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 excited. I think it's always just speaks more to me because like everything is came from my heart. Um, I think that yeah. is the most just validating. Experience ever, and to listen back, like we've been wrapping up some singles because we're we'll gonna start releasing hopefully next month. and I would say hopefully just because with COVID, it's just like everything is so crazy, I just don't want to make know. any promises. It's a but challenge. Right. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's what we we're planning yeah, to do. Yeah. And listening to the to the music, I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe I I, can't believe I wrote this. Like I'm just like I'm just I don't know where it comes from because it's I love every single every single record has such a unique vibe. I've never heard anything like it. It's just exciting. And, you know, after doing covers for so long and before that, after playing Classical, which is playing someone else's written music for so long, to finally be releasing my own sound is something that is just brings so much joy to me. I'm so grateful and and honored.
1: Obviously pending coronavirus and all the craziness that's going on. Um, what can we expect to hear? Give us a little teaser. I am so excited for Thank your music you. Well, um, you. Yeah.
0: Well, so the first record we're releasing is called Beethoven Pleads the Fifth. That's the title. And it's...
1: <laughs> Honestly, I need to hear a little bit about how you are like like I've heard you say Beethoven Beethoven twice in the show, like already, you obviously have such a reverence for the past and the people that have like paved the way for violinists and classical music, but like Howard, and I'm totally, this is a total interjection of your answer, but like, where's the balance between like the reverence for the past and you just like totally mixing up? Well, I think it's in this first single. I mean, it's, you know, the
0: visuals, everything it's like, getting out of this mold out of this expectation on tradition and disrupting everything there's reverence but there's also a lot of disruption like a lot and you know burning violins and like it's crazy it's something that I really wanted to present the world with a sound that you know, it opens with Beethoven's Fifth symphony, da-da-da-da-da, da 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 all of a sudden there's like these 808 sub drops and then it's like, wait, what? And I used this, I used that motive, da 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 throughout the whole thing, like that rhythm, and just make something new when it's, you know, honestly, at the time when, the way I see it, when Beethoven was writing, when Bach was writing, when Brahms was writing, they were writing popular music. They were writing, they were like the Ed Sheeran of their time. They were writing music people to enjoy and listen to and dance to. So. I'm sure they would be shocked to hear that people are just studying and recreating their works over and over and over and over again, instead of making something new. So I think that really it's actually in spirit with what they're doing. I think they were disruptors. Beethoven was, he was arrested before for like being drunk in the street. Like these guys were like wild, you know, Mozart was just, you know, had so many women and life You know, died at a very young age of syphilis. Um, And these people were wild. So I feel like this first record I'm putting out, Beethoven Pleads to Fifth, is just in that spirit, just within a contemporary sound.
1: I love that. Yeah. Very excited for it. Please keep us posted on the date when we can see it all. I will. How has quarantine been for you as a creative? Well, it has been actually...
0: At first, I was just kind of sad and like, I had a film coming out for Tribeca Film Festival. We were gonna have my singles out. Everything was just canceled. I was like, "Um, "What do I do? Like, what am I gonna do? What's happening?" You know, a lot of gigs were canceled. So financially, you're like, "What's gonna happen?" You know, you're just there's all this uncertainty. Yeah. But then after that, I I kind of began to see perhaps the beauty in this time. The beauty in being completely at peace, completely. I have nothing on the calendar. You know, I have Zooms and everything, but I have to deal with myself. I have to, you know, face myself. I can grow myself. I can really use this time to dig very deep when I think normally our schedules are so busy, it's easy to avoid it. So I, once I kind of had that realization, honestly, it's been very productive for me. There's, you know, I feel a bit guilty saying that just because there's so much suffering and you know, I, I had so many friends who've been affected. Um, I've known people who've died from COVID. And it's, I feel very, very guilty saying that, that this has been a time that's actually been very fruitful for me, just because I'm very aware of my privilege and being able to say that, you know, I'm healthy. I'm, you know, I'm not in New York right now and all of that stuff. So it's been a mixed bag, but ultimately one where I, early on, I just made the choice that I was going to use this time to the best of my ability to to push myself in ways that I can't under normal circumstances just because I'm usually so busy. I'm always traveling. I'm always, you know, have a show or whatever. So that's kind of how I chose to see it.
1: There's probably such a thrill that comes with performing. I wonder how you're coping with that in a time of isolation and probably a lot of silence. Yeah,
0: I really miss it. I miss, I miss performing and I miss being around people, I miss going to shows. I miss all of that stuff very, 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 very much. Um, it's very isolating to be alone and to be creating by yourself. And but you know, technology is just incredible. I've been sending stems, doing virtual oh yeah, doing virtual recording sessions. I just finished one for a Brazilian singer. I mean, she's so talented, and that's been yeah, you know, so cool. Like I, you know, I'm just sending her the stuff. We're to we shoot a video together, and so it's amazing what people are doing and how people are rising up to really. Continue to, to create during this time.
1: The resilience has been yeah. incredible.
0: 100%. Yeah. For sure.
1: For sure. And I saw that you're also um, giving back and teaching free violin lessons on the internet over Zoom. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I love that. So yeah. Much.
0: I love music education so much. I mean, just going back to visibility, I, I just really want to make sure people have access. And, you know, I know so many kids are stuck at home. Families, parents are like, what do we do? Our kids are kids stuck at home? You know, and I'm sure music education is the first thing to go. So, the first thing we decided to do was to, you know, make a video on how to make your violin at home. And this is actually how I started with the, it was like with a cake box, a ruler, you know, just like a household items, making your own little violin. And the response from kids has been overwhelming. So making that, you know, how to make a violin at home video, I was able to do USC's commencement for the School of Journalism, like finding all of these ways to be involved and, in, you know, partner with wide open schools, partner with schools in you know, for the New York City public schools. So it's been really busy. Been a lot of educational outreach. But normally I would, you know, it's just don't have time like that to do all this stuff. So
1: yeah. It's been pretty cool. That's really amazing. I hope that it's something. Well, to begin with, let us know if there's any way we can get involved and help in helping that. If I can spread the word to other kids that might want to join in on the Zoom lesson or other schools, let me know for sure. And I hope it's something that like we see more of from like other artists around the world that um, have this time right now to give back. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank it you, It was Lydia. so lovely to meet you. I'm such a huge fan. So let us know when your new music is coming out so we can share with everybody too. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two B's. See you next week.